and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. It's nice and short. Uh, the second is from uh, Ephesians 6, uh, which is on page 111. Uh, sorry, 1111. Uh, and it's verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great, Tom, thanks very much. Joe, come and join me. Brilliant. Uh, this is very much a double act um, today. I'm not quite sure that reflects um, parenting in the Stillwell household. I'm very grateful to my wife for all that she does there. <laughs> um, but we are we're talking uh, on this series this morning, um, Living on Purpose. We've looked at living on purpose in the church, living on purpose in the household. Last week, Will was speaking on uh, living on purpose in our marriages, being intentional in our marriage relationships. And on um, one Sunday today, we're going to cover parenting. We're going to scratch the surface, and there's so much more that we could say. Um, But let's pray as we begin. Father, we thank you so much for your word and for what we can glean from it, your instruction for us to live on purpose, to live intentional lives, proactive lives that bear the glory of your son Jesus through the fruit of your spirit. And we pray particularly this morning as we look at this whole area of of family and parenting that your spirit would come. We want to stand against any sense of condemnation or guilt, any sense of unworthiness, any sense of failure that the enemy would just seek to sort of fan into flame. Lord, we ask that your spirit would come wonderfully to challenge and convict, to assure and to equip, to guide and lead us, we pray. So teach us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Living on purpose in our families, living on purpose, parenting on purpose. And uh, if you have Ephesians 5 open, or 5 and 6, that uh, Tom read to us just now, let me start just by saying that I think these instructions to to children and to, uh, well, verse 4, fathers, and you see the little footnote there, parents, and I think that is um, a justifiable translation, fathers and mothers in contemporary culture. Uh, the, the word actually is fathers, but then I think that was written in a culture. I think you need to do a little bit of cultural translation. So he's not just speaking, I think, to fathers, uh, but fathers and mothers, to parents. Um, but that command there, not to exasperate your children, instead to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord, is one of those commands that I think is, follows on from the command we looked at two weeks ago, to be filled with the Spirit, in uh, verse 18 of chapter 5 be filled with the Spirit, and the cascading impact 
is that we will speak and sing and give thanks and submit to one another. And uh, then Paul goes on to sort of demonstrate or to, 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 to describe what that looks like in marriage relationships, the end of chapter 5, and now in the household, children and parents. And the specific instruction, we're just going to really root ourselves in verse 4. Fathers or parents, fathers and mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We're going to look a little bit at what it is to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. But uh, Joe's got one or two caveats. <laughs> yeah, a few. Just to say, we recognize um, that everybody here is not necessarily uh, a parent. And within that, for some, there may be some areas where that's a really painful thing. It may be that it's something that you'd always longed for and had never happened, or it may be that currently you're in the middle of, of that journey. And we just want to say, you know, hold with us and, um, you know, ask the Lord for his blessing on you today. But also to say that um, we teach on this to the whole church. I remember listening to a talk by a chap called Tim Keller on marriage, and his church was primarily single people. And he said, the reason I'm teaching you about marriage is because it's in the Bible. And I thought, that's a good thing to say. <laughs> that just, you know, just because we might think it doesn't apply to us, um, it's still in the Bible and we should be looking at it together as a body of people. And to recognize that we are here, a family, a body, together. And we all play our part in the, the training of our children in the way they should go. And I would please encourage you um, to see yourselves, if you're not directly a parent yourself, to have such key roles in the life of bringing up our children in a, in a godly, godly way. Our children, most un, you know, unreservedly, are so blessed um, by others who have an impact on their lives, certainly not just Tim and I. I said to Tim, if I were ever to talk about parenting, that I would start anything by giving you all the things that we have done wrong. Because the worst thing is to think um, that everyone else's uh, kids are brilliant. And, uh, and I won't give you all of the things we've done wrong because we don't have time. But um, again, our children, we have three uh, teenagers, um, uh, one boy and two girls. Um, they are most definitely examples of the living, current grace of God on them because we are by no means perfect. But again, I would say that we, so much of what we have learnt and what we have tried to do with our, with our parenting, we have learnt from other people um, in churches, both here and in previous churches where we've been. When we um, took Bex home, who's our eldest, uh, from the hospital, we had her at the Chelsea and Westminster on the Fulham Road, and we, at that time, we lived just off the Fulham Road, further up at the Brompton, opposite the Brompton Hospital. Um, we got lost going from the Chelsea Westminster to there. We, we drove round and round. Um, and as we sort of carried her in to our flat in the car seat, which it took me six weeks to realise, it had a slight recline position. So for the first six weeks, her head would sort of... So I hadn't realised, you know, that's how clueless we were. And um, I remember walking into the flat thinking, oh my goodness, this is us now on our own. But I remember thinking, well, she will always have two parents who love the Lord and who love each other. And I have to say, <laughs> I think if, you know, nothing else, that is actually 
what we're called to do as parents, and he helps us with all the other practical bits. But actually, if we can proactively be loving our Lord and loving our husband or wife, um, if, we, if, they're, you know, if we have that person with us, that is the best gift we can give to our, our children. Uh, and then just one other thing. Um, hopefully this will prompt discussion and conversations. And I would just say, be careful. From a very young age, our children listen and hear and take in. So please be careful when you're talking about this to make sure, well, get into the habit of speaking well of your children, uh, but also be aware they take in a lot from very young. And just to say, we've asked our children permission to give some examples, obviously, that include them, and they, they have said yes. But just appreciate your sensitivity with them when you're talking to them. Great. Thanks, Joe. Um, the marriage book says that mar marriage is a gift of God in creation, and it is given as the foundation for family life in which children are born and nurtured. And uh, as Joe was saying, in one sense, the best gift and the most effective parenting that we can give our children, and we can, others of us can encourage parents to give their children, is actually for mum and dad to love each other under the covenant of God's love. And I sort of picture that like um, this umbrella. If you, if you struggle with the idea of covenant, and covenant is basically just an umbrella, and God gives us an umbrella and, and then invites us. He calls us to come and stand underneath it. And in marriage, for us to stand shoulder to shoulder, not, not, not against each other or not back to back, but shoulder to shoulder. And we face the world, look out in the world, protected, completely protected by God's covenant love that he gives us so that it could be storming down and raining down uh, all around. And yet we're free to move under the covenant protection so that we just remain dry and blessed by God wherever we go under God's covenant umbrella. So the, the key thing actually in parenting is to take stock of Will's wonderful talk last week on marriage. It's on the website. Do download it because that's the gift of God in creation. I can, I'm, I'm just, let me just say, because I, I can't resist the temptation to go down this little, little one-liner with um, our prime minister talking about marriage uh, being for all types of relationship. And whilst I want to recognize the significance and the importance of uh, civil partnerships and the way in which they preserve human rights and honor faithfulness in all kinds of relationships, civil partnerships are not marriage. And marriage is a unique gift of God. It is God's ordinance, first and foremost, between one man and one woman for life. And, and that is unique and something that as the Christian church we should cherish and preserve. It's, it's, it's not to undermine some of the good things that exist and are enshrined in civil law through civil partnerships, but I profoundly disagree with any political stance that seeks to make, uh, redefine marriage as open to anyone. It is a unique gift of God, and he sets the ordinances. And it's under that ordinance and under that definition of marriage that the covenant of marriage exists. And it's under that covenant of marriage that the covenant bond for parenting uh, uh, the, the security and the significance and the self-worth with which our children can grow, it comes under that covenant umbrella as well. If we, uh, if we neglect that, I, I want to suggest we do at our peril. If we don't pay attention to our covenant relationship, then... Um, so that even when we think... Sorry, yeah. Come... So, yeah, I might say, no, I, I, I'm with my wife and we're together and wherever. But if we're not paying attention, if, the, if from our point of view there are holes in the covenant, then um, 
we just pray ourselves, our marriage relationship, but also our kids who stand underneath this, this so-called covenant protection. They are prey to the schemes of the enemy just to get at them and to sow thoughts in their heads and sow thoughts in their hearts and minds that are not from the Lord because we've not adequately protected them. So first and foremost, I would say, and I think the Bible says time and time again, um, look after, pay attention to the covenant. Just one more reference, because the Bible doesn't say much with sort of parenting tips, but it's got a lot to say about covenant protection that extends through the marriage to the children. Page 117. Just uh, look with me at these. This is a significant time in Israel's history, because they've just been given the, the law, which are the kind of God's words for how we live in perfect relationship with him. Page 177, Deuteronomy chapter 6. So the, the law, that, what we know is the Ten Commandments, has just been given. And uh, God says through Moses, These are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. So that, note this, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life. And, and it, it's that reference that Paul alludes to in the verses 2 and 3 to the children in chapter 6 of Ephesians. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. An allusion to covenant blessing with that first umbrella. And when God first gave the law to Moses and to the people, it was for them, their children, and their children's children. And one exercise I really recommend you doing, if you've got a Bible with a concordance or use the website, whatever it is, do a study on the number of times in which God reiterates covenant promises, not just to the people at the time, not just to the leaders, but to their children and their children's children you will be amazed at the number of references. There's very little on how to potty train. There's very little on what to do if sibling X bites sibling Y. In fact, I don't think there's anything at all. So we'll just have to work that out. But what there is, time and time and time again, is if you pay attention to your covenant umbrella, it will protect your children and your children's children for generations to come. Where are we? Oh, let's just, yes, yeah, so just working out some of those in, practical, in practice. Uh, I think it is just to pay attention to some of the things that come through the holes in our, in our own lives as adults and as parents. Some of the insecurities that come in, some of the kind of comparisons and the competition at the school gate that can creep in or the, the touchline as a, as a dad watching my son. I, I, I feel these rise up as I stand on the touchline. And I sometimes wonder whether the words of encouragement coming from the dads bawled at the children are really saying more about the dad than about the child. And I, I, and I, I feel it myself, if I'm honest, uh, watching my boy, and if he just he plays fantastically, but if he misses a tackle, ooh, does that reflect on me? Uh, you know, are they all thinking I'm the wimp because I can't tackle? And it's amazing, actually, how the enemy can just try and get through some of those holes. No, I don't care if he can tackle or not. I'm just thrilled he's got two legs and can run on a field. I'm thrilled that he's part of this team. What a, what a privilege to be able to run about. How wonderful. If he misses a tackle, what's that in eternity, really? I'm not going to let that. I don't care if you look at me scornfully because he let in the child. I don't care. Who do you think you are? I know who I am. 
I'm under the covenant umbrella. I'm not going to let comparisons of what I look like and how we dress. I, I remember that in Bristol, there was a mum who uh, confessed that she had to get herself ready to go and collect at the school gate because she, had to, she felt the pressure of looking like everyone else looked like. And the enemy loves to get us to compare our insides with other people's outsides. And we need to resist that and ensure that we are secure. We're free from fear. We're not comparing or competing so that we don't pass that on to our children. Once we're secure in the Lord and our identity and who we are in the Lord, they'll pick that up. And it's the greatest foundation for all the tips and techniques that might follow. And I think just to, um, to sort of use that thing of the sort of that sense of comparison or competitiveness or, oh, have you got, oh, you've got that toy, or very educational. I remember thinking, you know, our children would be never pass any exam because they didn't have this particular toy that everyone seemed to have, but it was wooden and terribly expensive, so, you know. But, um, but if we're going to sort of, that, those kind of things pepper all throughout our, um, our lives with our children. And if we're going to sort of counter that, we need to be certain and sure of where exactly we are heading and what exactly are our goals and our values. So it's great to, with your family, to at whatever age, obviously it might be between you and your partner initially, but to, to sit down and to think, right, what is our family about? What is important to us so that we've got something to sort of stick to? Tim used to do a lot of canoeing, and sometimes when the, when the river has got a high current, you have to sort of paddle quite hard just to go across the river because the current is trying to take you a different way. And sometimes, if you want to go, you can go with the current, and that's great. But the point is you need to know where exactly you're going so that you know whether you can go with the current or have to paddle against it. And so as, as a family, in the way that we want to um, train and bring up our children, we need to know exactly where are we heading. So, you know, sit together. If your children are old enough, talk to them about it. What would they like their family to be known as amongst their friends? What with you, with perhaps with very wee uh, kids, what would you like them to be growing up into a family? What's important? Um, hospitality, generosity, prayerfulness. Um, having a ministry for the a football team that one of them plays in, um, you know, what have something or, or various things that are important so that you've got something to always to be coming back to your sort of yardstick. And that the, the way that that um, vision sort of or values play out will will vary at different ages and stages of the children. The ways in which they can contribute to it will change as they grow older as well. And there may be times where everyone is kind of rallying around a particular focus of one particular child, a group of friends or something. We had um, one of our children uh, sort of really tried to befriend a, a girl at school who was really struggling. She'd been sort of suspended various times and she was quite a character. And, uh, but she used to come around our house quite a lot. And um, we talked to the other two and we said, look, we really want to get behind Bex with this friend and, uh, you know, really encourage her. So, you know, she might be a bit lippy at tea or whatever, but can we just get behind Bex? Bex really wants to, you know, she's praying for her. And, and, you know, so we had a little focus and backing one of our children for a particular time. So those kind of things, it's just good together as a family to be, to be talking about that so that you're all, everyone knows exactly what they can do. For us, one of us was to be hospitable as a family, for that to be a sort of flavour of our family. 
And so that means that our children know that they can invite their friends back without that necessarily need, you know, obviously they might ring me up and ask, but equally they often don't. And so if I walk in and there's sort of 10 kids there, that's fine. But they know that as a family we've talked about that and that's fine. And the other kids know to, you know, again, be hospitable too because that's what, something we want to do as a family. And, you know, for you, each will be a different thing depending on, again, your age and stage. And the other thing is that to have, to hold your family together, it takes time. And in busy lives, we will need to sort of craft, craft that time um, so that it doesn't get lost. Um, and again, that, that time of day or week may, may change. We used to, when they were at primary school, we, for, for quite a while, we, stopped, we didn't do anything on a Saturday morning. And at times, they were invited to sort of do an extra ballet thing or whatever on a Saturday morning. But we just sort of held it for a while because that was... So obviously Sunday's busy. Uh, Saturday morning was family time, and we kept it as that. And then things came in, so we changed it to an evening, and now it's different again as they've got older. So to to build family, uh, you need family time. So and that needs to be put in the diary because it doesn't just happen, as I'm sure you know. Wonderful. That uh, first verse that Tom read out for us. Um, start children off in the way they should go, or uh, another version, can we have that one up, Sorry, here we go, uh, which is the, well, there's the King James Version or uh, NIV, a number of modern translations say, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And that word train, or, or start off, the Hebrew word, it's quite hard to get the sense of it in the English translation, but it, in, in uh, the sort of contemporary uh, language at the time, it was the word used uh, that an archer would use when preparing his bow. And so he'd whittle down the uh, willow, what did you make a bow out of? Anyway, whatever wood it is. But he'd whittle down all these um, sticks, effectively. And in order to, he'd sort of, he'd kind of wrap the bottom of it round his, uh, sort of have it there and wrap it round his legs. So you'd, you'd kneel into it with your knee and, and pull back here so that you could string it with the tension. And the idea is that with every single bow, you'd, you'd feel that every single one is slightly different. Some, some it's a real wrestle to get the tension. Others are really quite flexible and easy. But the point is every single bow, although looking the same and designed to do the same job, every single bow was unique and different. And the skilled archer would know he'd just be feeling, having that sort of sense, that intuition for each bow as he bent it, as he trained it into its calling. And it's that sense, I think, as parents, and, and the wider church family, actually, with each of our children. You, you were probably beginning to do it with Jasper and Charlie here. They're, they're primarily Fred and Katie and um, uh, Sean and Harry's responsibility. Uh, but we support them. And I was, because I, I found myself thinking, yeah, I think I've seen that in Charlie. It doesn't surprise me that Charlie deliberately goes and looks for someone to join in their game. Uh, I, you know, as, you sort of, as, you, as I got to know Charlie, yeah, I can see that in him. And the power to speak that into being and to affirm what the Lord is, is, is speaking into that little life, so powerful. That's the sense with, with training the child in the way they should go. But just some practical things to finish off with, uh, and then we'll move into communion. Yeah, this is a great example where we got it hideously wrong. Um, so in terms of trying to discern how each of our children are wonderfully different. We're incredibly slow. 
with our son to realize he's actually a very strong extra, uh, sorry, introvert. So he resources by being on his own. So I assumed he was violent, angry, dreadful. I was a dreadful mother. We'd got it all wrong because I couldn't stay in a mums and toddlers group, which is a bit awkward because I used to help run it, uh, because you can only sit a child outside, you know, five times for kicking or biting, and then you feel you should take them home. Um, church, uh, you know, Sunday school type groups. Afterwards, he'd just be hideous and kick his sisters and all of this. And slowly, slowly realized that this poor child, he'd go from church back to our flat. Loads of people would come around our flat. It's quite a small flat. Um, and literally, he would play in, he would wrap himself in a curtain and play in, the, in, in this curtain with his toys. And slowly, we realized perhaps he didn't like lots of people. Um, and perhaps he wasn't as hideous as, you know, I thought. And I was a bit dopey as a parent. But obviously then we realized, and so could then change how we did things. So I would then take them to the park straight after church. To be fair, Joe's not dopey, but it's, Joe and I are both extroverts. And our two girls are both extroverts. Uh, and so they, they just, the girls just pile back from Lady Margaret straight after school. Uh, and so poor Luke, he's the, he's the one, if you like, in that sense, sort of, well, the different colored sheep in the family. Uh, and it just took us a long time to realize that not everyone thinks like we do. It was just quite selfish on our part. And um, yeah, poor Luke has been on the butt of a few things, I think, family decisions that we haven't, where we hadn't quite trained to see who the Lord has made him. And, but, you know, often they will kick off when things aren't working. They will kick off, as he was literally doing. Um, and, and now I'd be much quicker to just ask the Lord, you know, Lord, how have you made him or her? What's going on? Um, when, when Bex was little, she was incredibly strong-willed. Well, she still is. But incredibly strong-willed, incredibly independent. And I found it very difficult with her. And I remember one time just really praying, you know, Lord, help me. How can I, I you know, I just can't connect with her. Um, she was about four, and um, God gave me a, a real picture for her that I have, I have kept the whole time, that sh- he showed me through it her vulnerabilities and her sensitivity, and she is still someone who, portray- who comes across as incredibly confident, and, it, and in some ways she is, but actually I might have been fooled by that and sort of left her and actually you know, not protected her. Um, But because God showed me that picture, I could see what I needed to do for her um, in, you know, let her do those things she was incredibly keen to strike out and do. But actually God showed me how I needed to come in and and protect her in particular ways. So again, I would say, you know, pray and ask the Lord. Um, Again, we heard the exciting ways in which, you know, for Jasper and, and Charlie, that just really helps. And again, when they're, uh, again, if you're just having, you know, you have periods of time where they can be really off-key. Um, and I have, um, either when they're asleep or, you know, now if they're, you know, a bit stroppy and ignoring me or whatever, when I pray for them at night, if they choose not to say anything, I'll just pray, um, you know, hopefully words of truth and blessing that God has given me to them. I don't say, the Lord has told me that this doesn't necessarily help with the teenagers but just to pray what I do feel God has told me but just to say it as a prayer over them and I think you know it does have does have an impact and through all of this we need to know ourselves we need to know in ourselves 
whether we're extrovert or introvert. You know, I, when I had young kids, I wanted to be amongst people all the time, but I, had, you know, that was, I hadn't realised for Luke that wasn't a blessing. But so partly we need to understand ourselves, what uh, feeds us, but also what presses our buttons. Um, so um, something that uh, one child might do might really annoy us, and perhaps for our husband or wife it may not bother them. And the two things I would say to learn with that is to... It, it trains you at an early stage of parenting to be together in the way that you parent. So increasingly, you need to show a, a, um, a united front. And so from early on, that's a good practice for those things that might bother one but not the other. But also to recognise um, you know, that one of you might be more uh, sort of straight down the line and the other one might be... Uh, oh, well, you know, just, you know, let's love. And, and both of those are absolutely right. But again, to know what each other's strengths are so that you can look out for each other and, and, and again, just show a united front in how you parent. Um, and by, it, just in sort of practical ways, the more you know them, it's better and easier in the ways in which you can bless them. Uh, Tim used to take Bex out for lunch at school when she was at primary school in Bristol because often in the evenings he's busy. So in order to try and spend one-on-one -one time, he'd take her out for lunch when she was in school. And then when we moved up to London, Emma started primary school, so he started to do the same. And Bex, when she'd go out at lunchtime, obviously it was a bit unusual, and people would say, oh, where are you going? She'd go, oh, I'm off to lunch with my dad. And she was thrilled, loved all the attention. Uh, so then Tim started to do it for Emma, and Emma would sort of, oh, my goodness, everyone's looking at me, and... <laughs> And again, you know, we realised that wasn't, that wasn't helping Emma at all. Of course, we wanted to do the one-on-one, -on -one, so Tim would instead take her out for breakfast before school and, uh, so that no one would see her. And <laughs> uh, again, so it's just knowing, you know, they're all good ideas, but you need to make sure it fits and matches each, each child. Just on, with Luke, he didn't want lunch, and he said, could you take me out, out of French, not lunch break? <laughs> I said, Uh, that was on knowing as part of training. Just quickly, uh, we'll, we'll throw these things out. But in terms of training, I, I think the, the choices, consequences is, is such a... Well, we found it a really helpful model at, a, at as early an age as possible to empower them and help them to know that they are very powerful people because they have the ability to choose from... Um, do you want red beaker or yellow beaker for your orange? It's, I mean, it's, it, that's relatively inconsequential, but what you're doing with a little one is saying, well, you've got the power to, yeah, I don't mind, you, you choose, you make, you make the choice. I won't just give it in the red beaker because that's the one for hand. Uh, do you want to have the bedtime story after we've cleaned our teeth or before we've cleaned our teeth? So we're going to clean teeth and we're going to have bedtime story. Which, and just, it's just training them in the ability to make choices and to be as proactive as possible in um, getting them to choose to empathize with others, which I think is a really important skill. So rather than, as all too often I can hear myself saying, reactively, how would you feel if, which, you know, with a sort of punitive air when something's, you know, it's reactive. But actually in just a little moment, uh, when the telly program's finished or we're going from telly to tea or somewhere, how, how would you feel if, dot, 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 how do you think X or Y feels about? Maybe something that's happened to, uh, with a friend or family or whatever, they're, they're moving or going up into a new form or something's changed. I wonder how Tom feels about that. I don't know. Hmm. You just leave it there. It doesn't necessarily have to be an answer. But it's just empowering them to, to think and to choose to put themselves 
into other people's shoes. So um, the power of choices and consequences. Um, Steve Bidolf, one of the, we've got a whole load of books down here. We're not going to review them or go through them, but do come up and have a look at them. And in fact, I don't think I've even got it there. Ah, Raising Boys by Steve Bidolf. If you've got boys, ah, it's a really helpful book. He's not a Christian, but some really helpful stuff. Just on the, the sort of physical stuff and the, all, all of that kind of thing. And if you've got girls, you, uh, I guess they need to understand that boys, that's how it works. And, and kind of wrestling with dad was, is a really important thing. But it, it, as he got bigger, um, he was big, you know, the wrestling was getting quite painful. <laughs> and I don't, think, I don't think he realized, that, and the kind of play punching and all that kind of stuff. And so there was a really defining moment where I said, Luke, I, I really would rough and tumble and play wrestling is really important. But, you know, you're, you're getting big now. Can you, can you still do this and yet do it in a way that doesn't hurt daddy? And can we, are you, are you up here? Are you big enough to, well, no, not more than, I mean, I want, you to, I want you to be the man. I want you to, come on, man, we've got to do this. But, but are you able, are you able to work out for yourself? To, to, it's that kind of pushing without going over. Can you extend to the next level where we can still wrestle and still do all the sort of, you know, father-son stuff? But rather than me sort of saying, right, that's it, you've hurt me, I'm off. Not no more, banned wrestling for a week. I, I put it on... It's just drawing him into that, okay, can I work that out? And we might you get it, maybe get it wrong and all that, but I, you know, I take a few blows, <laughs> tears and eyes as I come to tea or whatever it was. But, but uh, it was just drawing that out of him. So training the child. Was it me? Sorry, we've, we've carefully switched this. You. Sorry, yeah, time's... Uh, ticking on, but just okay. just to say, in the kind of practical ways, um, there's great resources out there, um, all great Bible Bibles for age appropriate. So we started off um, reading, obviously, the toddler Bible, which is mainly pictures. Um, but again, we let them, you know, which story would you like? So let them choose. Although we used to have a like, no, not we've had that one a hundred times. Let's have a different one. Um, so you might want to, you know, but then. Know, again, as they got older, we changed, um, got them to read the stories themselves as they got interested in reading, that kind of thing. Um, th- then as they've got older, partly we realized that they, <laughs> because they would choose the stories, they didn't have much of a sort of sense of the, of the sequence of how things happened and how things were related. Um, so as they got older, um, gave them things like the Bible in a Year, um, which goes through it systematically. Um, the graphic Bible is brilliant. Mm. It's like comic strip type, um, uh, you know, so it's not words. So I don't want to stereotype, but our son thought that was brilliant. The girls didn't like it at all. Um, but they liked um, the youth Bible that has little questions um, and little reflections, so it sort of broke it up. And um, our guys haven't particularly enjoyed using the sort of Bible study notes, but they are brilliant and are very good. So again, you can use those as they get older. And again, to be praying and part of our sort of values and vision of wanting to look out and to bless others. We had, I was thinking about this when I was preparing it, in the olden days, photographs. And um, we used to have a box of photos and of sort of family and friends and get them to pick. They'd pick some. we put one side of Velcro on one side, and we had a little Velcro board, and they'd stick, the, they'd pick three each, uh, stick them on the board, and then we pray for them. So again, just trying to give them a sense of ownership. Um, 
I don't know what you do now, because it was when they were younger, because we don't really do photos anymore, do we? But um, I don't know. You Google them. You Google them, yeah. Um, I don't know. But just, again, just, it was just trying to include them to be thinking outside of, of as well as just us praying for them. Uh, and praying at bedtime, like I say, now with ours as teenagers, mostly they love it when we pray for them still every night. Uh, sometimes they're in a strop. Um, and it's all the, all the more fantastic to just pray for them, and they might ignore us. But actually, I'm pretty sure that they like that. And again, just praying blessing, speaking words of truth. You know, so much of their day is they're told they're stupid or silly, or they think they've done something stupid or silly. And actually, to pray uh, words of blessing and truth on them is, you know, you can't, can't you know, beat that. Um, and again, just to be recognizing the grace of God. And we um, are, you know, try to be quick um, to ask for their forgiveness when we've done things wrong by them and equally to encourage them to uh, seek forgiveness from those who they have um, hurt as well amongst our family. We need to wrap it up here. We're conscious we've probably only skimmed the surface. We're praying, Joe and I, with one or two others about how we might roll some of this into a, a little sort of course that we'll maybe do next year at some stage. We'd love to do a little sort of parent equipping course. Um, uh, uh, we'll use other materials. I think we, we would love to learn. We need to learn uh, from this every bit as much as the rest of us do. But it's just this assurance that, uh, again, to the Lord to um, Israel, these are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and your children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his degrees and commands that I give you, so that you may enjoy long life and blessing and covenant provision and protection. Just let's pause for a moment. To thank the Lord that he's given us this church family, whatever particular life stage any of us individually might be in. And for those of us who are parents, that he's given us the privilege of children to nurture teach and to encourage and to enjoy amid all the tests and the trials. Father, I want to pray your spirit of blessing, provision, truth, of love, of patience, and your spirit of life to flow under that covenant protection, that covenant umbrella through us, mums and dads and into the hearts and minds and lives of all of our children. To the praise of your glory. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we come to uh, participate in the life of Christ. We mark that through communion. I just refer us to um, the words of Paul.